0: Chapter seventeen of Forest Days by g p r james. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter seventeen about the hour of ten on the morning following the day of which we have just been speaking, Simon de Montford sat alone at a small table in a room adjoining that which he used as a council chamber. Manifold papers and parchments were before him, and a rude map of England such as the geographical skill of that day enabled men to produce lay underneath his large powerful hand with the forefinger resting upon the word Gloucester. his brow was heavy and his teeth were set and he fixed his eyes we cannot call it vacantly for they were full of expression though without sight upon the opposite wall of the room while his right hand ran slowly up and down the hilt of his heavy sword care he said continual care thought and anxiety and strife oh life life the gilded bubble how is it that man clings to thee so fondly who would not gladly be waked from an unpleasant dream and yet how troublous is this sad dream of human existence which we are so loath to lose Some five or six years in early youth, when fancy, passion and inexperience forbid us to think, and teach us only to enjoy, may have a portion of chequered brightness, but the rest, alas, has its care for every day and its anxiety for every hour. It is a weary place, this world, to dwell in, and life but a grim and discontented tenant of the house.' He paused, and looked at the papers again, but it seemed difficult for him to fix his mind upon them. "'It is strange,' he continued. "'I am not often thus, but I feel as if all things were passing away from me. Can it be that sometimes the spirit has an indication of coming fate, from beings that we see not? It may be so, but it is weak to give way to such thoughts.' it is with human actions and endeavours that we have now to do oh without there does any one wait he continued addressing a servant who appeared at his call the constable of the guard of the west court my lord replied the attendant he has something to report send him in said the earl of leicester and dispatch a messenger to the earl of ashby with many courteous greetings to say that i am ready to receive him when it suits his pleasure the same to the earl of mothomer and the lord hugh now constable what have you to tell me the servant had beckoned in from the door where he stood a sturdy soldier clad in full armour except the cask and the latter now replied to leicester's question you told me my lord that the pass was withdrawn from sir richard de ashby and that he was no more to have access either to the king or the prince i said moreover answered leicester "'that he was to quit Hereford. "'Is he not gone?' "'He may be now, my lord,' replied the soldier, "'but last night I found him several times "'lingering about the castle.' "'If you find him any more, arrest him on the spot,' "'cried de Montfort hastily. "'Methinks the man is a traitor. "'I sent him hence for his good. "'If he come back, evil shall overtake him.' "'He spoke evidently with considerable irritation "'which the great Earl of Leicester,' as he was generally called, was seldom, if ever, known to display. Impetuous he certainly had been in his early youth, and pride and sternness had been faults of his years. But excitement upon trifling occasions was so foreign to his character that the constable of the guard, as he retired from his presence, muttered, "'Something must have gone very wrong with the great earl. I never saw him so before.' When the officer had departed, Simon de Montfort rose and took two or three turns up and down the room, murmuring to himself, Each petty knave dares to disobey me. But I doubt these Ashby's. They are none of them stern and steadfast in the cause of right. This conference with Gloucester, on pretense of being stopped by his troops, tis rank, tis evident. But we shall soon hear more. Here they come, I suppose and opening the door into the council-room he walked slowly to the head of the table while the old earl of mothamer advanced to meet him and hugh lingered for a moment at the opposite side reading a note which seemed to have been just put into his hands public or private asked de Montfort, looking upon his young friend with a smile private my lord answered hugh at least it is marked so and though i have some doubt of the honesty of the writer I will keep it private, at least for the present. The Earl was about to reply, but at that moment the jingling step of Alured de Ashby was heard in the stone corridor at the top of the stairs, and after a brief pause he followed his father into the chamber. Welcome, my Lord of Ashby, said de Montford, advancing and taking the Earl's hand. I am right glad to see you here, and welcome too, Lord Allured i fear that you have passed through some perils and met with somewhat rough treatment on your road hither perils my lord i may have passed through answered allured but rough treatment i have none to complain of the noble earl of gloucester treated me with more courtesy than i had a right to expect and as you see suffered me to proceed to join your lordship de montfort strove in vain to prevent his brow from gathering into a heavy frown and he replied with a bitter smile, Doubtless the Earl is wise. In the meanwhile the Earl of Ashby had been greeting cordially the Mothama and his nephew, and the sight of their mutual courtesies, which was in no way pleasant to Allerid de Ashby, prevented him in all probability from making a rash reply to the Earl of Leicester. Well, sir, he said, not noticing the words of de Montford, but turning sharply to Hugh, you informed me some time ago that the cause of my sister's being carried off and detained by some rude country people or forest outlaws would be explained to my good father here pray let us hear it in this noble presence i am as curious as a woman tush allured cried his father you are an impatient irritable boy first let me render thanks to our young friend for his gallant well-conducted search after our dear lucy "'and for restoring her to us so soon.' "'Whatever thanks he has merited, my lord,' replied Alured, "'I am right willing to pay. "'But first I wish to hear the full extent of his great deservings, "'lest my gratitude should overwhelm me. "'Luckily, however, there is a small deduction to be made, "'for having even at this early hour "'brought an unjust charge against our kinsman Richard, "'and roused dark suspicions of him in the breast,' of this noble earl i fear my young friend said the old lord of mothamer in a calm and kindly tone that the ingratitude which seems to sit so heavy upon you if there prove any cause for gratitude at all which i doubt can suffer no diminution on the account you would place against it the charge against your kinsman was made by me not you i neither concealed any part of the suspicion nor aggravated it in the least but merely told noble de montfort that which we all know and which is behoved him to be acquainted with when he was trusting daily near prince edward a person of whom even your father must entertain grave doubts no no not so my lord cried the earl of ashby my doubts have been dispelled some farther conversation of a menacing character took place the old lord of mothomer showing himself desirous of soothing the two lords of ashby but alured evidently striving to drive the matter to a personal quarrel it is no easy task with a companion so disposed to avoid administering some occasion of offence and although hugh de mothomer in his love for lucy found every motive for avoiding a breach with her brother yet there was a point of endurance beyond which even that inducement could not carry him well well lord alerig he said at length it is clear to me and must be clear to all what is your object now you have never forgotten ancient feuds though we all agreed to cast them aside for ever i would do all that is honourable and just to maintain and strengthen every kindly feeling between our two houses but even the desire of so doing shall not induce me to swerve from what i consider right i believe richard de ashby to be a false traitor unworthy of the name he bears for your noble race whatever side it has taken has never produced such a one before and i maintain him honest and true replied Alured, and will uphold it at he was going to add the spear's point but his father stopped him exclaiming hush hush no violence hear what lord hugh would say at all events said de Montfort, have some respect sir for those in whose presence you speak de ashby bit his lip but made no reply and hugh de mothamer turned with a glowing cheek to the earl of ashby inquiring my lord have you heard from your daughter in whose hands i found her i have not seen her replied the earl i have not yet seen her the city is so full of troops and armed men that allured judged it better to leave her at a place a short distance hence between this and gloucester but allured has told me what she told him well then my lord continued Hugh, i have but to add that the men in whose hands she was and against whom i could bring no force sufficient to set her free agreed to liberate her on condition that i requested you by your honour and high name to compel your kinsman richard de ashby to restore the unhappy girl he carried off when we all met in barnsdale to the house of her father john greenley and to make him pay such dowry on her entering a convent as may punish him and insure her reception it was as a hostage for her return that they seized your daughter and it was only upon this condition that they set her free "'May I know?' demanded Allured to de Ashby, assuming a sweet and ceremonious tone, which contrasted strangely with the workings of anger and pride in his face. "'May I know, fair sir, whether this demand is made of my father by these courteous outlaws of Sherwood, or by the noble Lord Hugh de Mothama?' "'Hush! Allured, I will have none of this!' exclaimed his father again. "'You are too violent!' surely i have maintained the dignity of my house all my days and can do it without your help now my lord hugh from whom comes this demand it comes my lord replied hugh from all those persons who held your daughter in their power to you my lord for whom i entertain so much respect i bear it unwillingly and bear it only in the name of others but it is my purpose i acknowledge whenever and wheresoever i meet richard de ashby to demand that and more at his hands sir," cried allured there is one here present right willing and ready to put himself in the place of his cousin and render you every account of his conduct you can desire Hugh turned from him with a look from which he could not altogether banish some contempt when i find my lord he replied that richard de ashby is lame or impotent a woman or a monk i will consent to his appointing a champion but not till then i have no quarrel with you my lord and do not intend to have one methinks my lord of ashby said de montford who had been speaking for a moment apart with the old earl of mothamer methinks the demand made upon you is but just let it come from whom it may These men held your daughter in their power, and they fixed certain conditions, taking it for granted you would execute, which they set the lady free. Those conditions in themselves are fair, if I understand the matter rightly, and it were better far to yield to them than now to dispute the matter, when your daughter has thus attained her liberty. It would be more honourable, I say the colour came up in the old earl de ashby's cheek the house of ashby my lord he replied permits no one to dictate to it what is for its honour to do far less cried alured will it allow an ancient enemy presuming on the forbearance which has already given pardon and forgiveness for many offences to bring false charges against one of its members and then dictate how its chief is to act pardon and forgiveness exclaimed hugh de mothamer false charges these are strange terms as to the truth of the accusation if your base kinsman sir dares to put forth still the lying pretext that he made use of when last i saw him and to lay upon the same scapegoat the blame of corresponding with the enemies of the state and of carrying off this poor girl his falsehood now can soon be proved "'for well, she has been seen with him in this very city.' Allured looked down and bit his lip, "'and the old lord of mothomer "'anxious to prevent the house of Ashby "'from abandoning that cause, "'which he conceived to be just and right, "'interposed in the calm, grave manner "'which was usual with him, saying, "'Do not suppose, my noble friend, "'that my lord of Leicester wishes to dictate to you in any degree.' it is fair that he should submit for your consideration whether it would not be more honourable to your family to clear it of the stain which this man's conduct leaves upon it i can meddle my lord with no man's pastimes said the earl de ashby carried away by the example of his son richard de ashby is not my page for me to chastise him if he plays the fool with a peasant's daughter i cannot meddle in the matter would your lordship not have meddled, asked de Montfort sternly, if your daughter's freedom had still depended on it? Methinks you would then have found right soon motives sufficient to interfere, and that somewhat vigorously. Well, my lord, cried the earl in an angry tone, for where weakness goes hand in hand with wrong, wrath is never far behind. At all events, it is no affair of yours. "'This is no public matter but a private business "'put upon me by Lord Hugh of Mothomer. "'Nay, my good lord, nay!' exclaimed Hugh. "'Most unwillingly did I undertake it. "'But surely you would not have had me risk your daughter's liberation "'by hesitating to convey to you a mere demand "'which, without obtaining her deliverance at all, "'might have been sent by any other person "'and carried by any other.' with much more grace than by a pretended friend rejoined allured to ashby young gentleman," said the old earl of mothamer you have done mischief enough this morning whether you intended it or not do no more mischief i beseech you nor make those part enemies who would fain be friends your father's answer is given he will not meddle in the affair so let it rest hugh has done his duty "'and he has had, moreover, the pleasure and the honour "'of serving and protecting a lady. "'Whatever more is to be done rests with yourselves.' "'Not entirely,' replied de Montford, with a frown. "'I have some say in this business.' "'How so, my lord?' demanded the Earl of Ashby sharply. "'I will allow no one, not the highest in all the land, "'to judge for me as to my private conduct.' "'You are somewhat hasty, my good lord,' said de Montfort, coldly. "'Hasty or not,' interrupted Allerud de Ashby, eager to widen the breach as far as possible. "'My father is right in what he says, and I say yea to him.' "'So bold,' said de Montfort, contemptuously. "'So very bold for so young a bird. "'Methinks its wings want clipping, lest it should flee away.' Allerud de Ashby saw that he had gone somewhat too far— and might perhaps if he said more endanger his own liberty at least conscious of his own purposes he so construed the words of the earl of leicester his haughty spirit however would not bow to qualify even in a degree the rash language he had used and he remained sullenly silent looking down upon the ground while the great earl continued with his keen grey eyes fixed sternly upon him to end all this de montfort went on and to conclude a conversation which has continued too long there are other charges against your kinsman earl of ashby which cannot exactly be trusted to your lordship's lenity they are somewhat more serious than debauching a country girl and as it has been proved that he has been seen with this lighter loved damsel who by his own confession went off with one undoubtedly a traitor to these realms It is strong presumptive proof that he still has that traitor in his service, or knows more of him than is befitting. Under these circumstances I have already ordered his arrest, should he enter Hereford, and now, moreover, I will have him sought for, and if he be a traitor, deal with him as such, which I will likewise do with all who prove so, he added in a marked tone your lordship is right said allured de ashby and he muttered between his teeth so low that it could not be heard if you can catch him now good morning to you my lords continued de montfort at three this evening we will hold a council to consider of proclaiming mortimer and others traitors we shall expect you all to be present come with me Mortimer. come with me lord hugh we will have no high words upon the stairs lord ashby and his son turned away with frowning brows and as they descended to the courtyard two short sentences were spoken which decided the fate of both i know not what may be your purpose my father said allured but my course is determined i will neither be the jest of the mothomers nor the slave of simon de montford nor i either allured answered the earl in a low tone and without more comment they mounted their horses and rode back to the inn. They had scarcely quitted the court when Hugh de Mothama appeared in it, with a hasty step. One of the small party of armed retainers who had accompanied him instantly led forwards his horse, and he sprang into the saddle. "'Which way did the Earl of Ashby take?' he demanded. "'Through that gate, my lord,' replied the man, and bidding the servant follow him, the young knight was turning towards the other archway when he felt something pull his stirrup, and, looking down, beheld the boy, Tangil, holding up his long bony hand with many a curious grimace. "'I will speak with thee by-and-by, Tangil,' said Hugh. "'I will be back in an hour.' "'Ay, by-and-by is the cat that lapped up all the cream,' cried the dwarf. "'By-and-by won't do. I must speak with you now. I have much to say.' "'Then you must get a horse and follow me, Tangel replied the young lord. "'It is already near the hour named. I go up the hill. Be quick.' And he put spurs to his horse. The dwarf gazed after him for a minute, murmuring, you will be an hour too soon, if he do not mind,' and turned away. End of chapter 17